0: Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm Travis Pauly, and here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. This episode, Wes and I sit down to discuss a listener's question about what we should do as Christians when our spiritual leaders sin. I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I am Travis Polly here again with Wes McAdams,
1: yeah, it's been a while, Travis. You, I know. You've you've introed all the latest episodes, but uh, and you've been in the room while we recorded yes. all the latest episodes, but we have not we have not gotten to chat you and I on it has, the it's, podcast.
0: It's been a minute since we've just had a good uh, good Wes and Trav chat.
1: Yes, I am super excited about this chat today.
0: Me too, and we have a what I thought uh, was a really really good question. Yeah, tough, a, tough one for sure. Tough question. Uh, to go over today, but this um, comes from one of our listeners, uh, coping with the downfall of spiritual leaders. I have a hard time, I've had a hard time giving a satisfactory explanation to people when ministers, especially one here recently, sin, especially sexual sin. One recently was accused of rape and other horrible things after his death. Even spiritual, spiritual abuse was an accusation. I'd love to hear a way to help people who struggle when a spiritual leader turns out to be someone different than they proclaim, everyone sins and falls short. is hard for people struggling with that. Thank you for all you do with this podcast. My family is blessed by it.
1: Yeah, such a good question, and I thank Ginny Hicks for for submitting that yeah. to the the podcast for us to talk about because I think it's it's so important, and we really are going through sort of an epidemic. It seems of of. Christian leaders, spiritual leaders, church leaders, ministry leaders uh, throughout the world that um, are having uh, these sort of monumental um, downfalls, um, and, and that it's really nothing new. It's it's That's always been um, a situation that we found ourselves in, but it seems like more and more um, either we're finding out that these things are a reality, right. um, maybe they, they always were, and we just didn't know about them, but now we're, we're sort of finding them out, and some— and I think I know who she's talking about. Um, that we found out after his passing um, that his life had been fraught with this spiritual and sexual abuse of others. And and so yeah, we're we're sort of left picking up the pieces and trying to figure out what do we do with this? Um, how do we help people who've been hurt by it? Um, how do we prevent ourselves from being hurt by it? How do we how do we get better? How do we do better? How do we make sure that this doesn't continue to be uh, the problem because obviously this isn't the way that it should be. Um, And I I love what she says in the question. She says, quote, everyone sins and falls short is hard for people struggling with that. So that sort of idea that, well, you know, everybody messes up. Everybody makes mistakes because we're not, we're not talking about mistakes. This isn't just mistakes. This isn't just uh, someone messed up. We're talking about habitual long-term um, sexual sin, where it's not like, oh, I didn't realize I did that, and somebody made made just a, an error of judgment in the moment. We're talking about ongoing things where where people are victimized, even. Um, and so, so what do we do with that, and how do we how do we talk about that? I want to talk about four different things. I've kind of jotted down uh, that I want to talk about in regards to this. And the first is in the kingdom, there are not supposed to be celebrities, mm-hmm. and I think we need to. I think we need to. Think about our celebrity culture. Um, and I think that there's always been sort of a tendency, human beings have had this tendency to uh, glamorize, put on pedestals certain people, and lift them up as celebrities. And I guess a celebrity is just somebody who's famous and well known. Um, so you could say by that, by that standard, Jesus was a celebrity or Paul was a celebrity or Peter was a celebrity. Uh, all of the apostles, in one way or another, were celebrities. In in that they were well known, but today it, when we think about a celebrity, it's even more than just being famous. It's even more than being well known. It's it's somebody who is put up on a pedestal as an example, somebody who is um, sort of becomes uh, uh, very self-serving um, and 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 really is concerned about their own their own reputation and their own name. Um, and that's really the very opposite of the kingdom ethic. In, in the kingdom, servants of the king should want the king to be made known, but not themselves to be made known. That has to be the way that we operate in the kingdom, that we are constantly saying, as John the baptizer said, I must decrease and he must increase. That has to be our attitude. Um, but but sort of these celebrity preachers, celebrity ministers, celebrity authors, <laughs> podcasters, uh, you know th- this this sort of way of of doing things where a whole church or a whole ministry revolves around these celebrity ministers, these celebrity preachers, this is problematic um, and it's problematic. From a cultural standpoint, and it's also problematic from their own standpoint, and and that even we have young ministers and young preachers chasing celebrity status. This cannot be the way we continue to operate in the kingdom. We we have to move away from I want to make a name for myself, and move towards I want Jesus to be made known. That has to be the way that we we think about things, um, and so we we need to. Even I, I might even say admonish admiration. So when when if if somebody is in a position of leadership or ministry or teaching and they're being admired, I think that we need to admonish our own hearts and say, I that's dangerous for me, that can be toxic for me, but also mm-hmm. to remind other people, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. And and I think that fewer of these ministers and preachers and leaders would fall into this situation if they would keep reminding themselves and reminding others, I am nothing, Jesus is everything. So here's a passage I want us to think about with this in mind. First Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse one, and Paul's really sort of admonishing this sort of um, prioritizing uh, ministers prioritizing preachers. Um, he's using himself and Apollos and and Peter as sort of examples. There may have been others. I think there were others in Corinth that were sort of making a name for themselves, and Paul wouldn't even mention them by name. So he's using himself and Apollos and Peter as examples. I think partly because he doesn't want to mention these other teachers who are trying to make a name for themselves, and he says. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, or another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos, what is Paul, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor plant neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. I think that's where we need to start this conversation is that ministers, servants are nothing and Jesus is everything. We have to adopt that mentality for ourselves personally as preachers and leaders and evangelists. Adopt that mindset for ourselves, but then also apply that and and remind ourselves that if somebody's planting or somebody's watering, it's not them as Paul says, they're they're not anything. It's God who is something. It's God who is who is everything. So, Travis, what are your thoughts on on sort of that celebrity culture that we have going on in in the spiritual world.
0: Yeah. I think, like you said, I mean, it's just part of the world that we live in where, you know, you're encouraged to be worried about your brand and um, which I think is fine. I think, you know, I, I, you know, like you said, the apostles had, you know, their own probably celebrity, they they had their own, and like Paul mentions, you know, some say I'm baptized by Apollos and I'm of the baptism of Paul. And, you know, he's trying to discourage that. And I think, I think one thing that he does a really good job of is putting things in their proper place and saying, like, you don't do that because, well, Peter is, is an apostle of Jesus. <laughs> At the end of the day, Peter is not, he's not, you know, one, you know, head figure in Christianity. No, he's a servant of Jesus. He's just one of the original. (laughs) And I think that's something that, as you were talking about, like the, the difference between the maybe a celebrity type culture around church people back then versus now, I think it's, I think it becomes... Maybe harder and harder maybe as you get away from the incarnation of Jesus to remember that if you're, you know, a preacher, a, an influencer, a spiritual influencer today, and you have however many, you know, hundreds or thousands or millions of followers and people who are hanging on to every word, you're still, you're still, a, you're still serving Jesus. Jesus is still the goal you're not the goal. Jesus is the goal. And I think that, I think that's getting harder and harder and harder for people to understand. Because again, once you say a few things that people again, hang on to every word, um, and they want to hear more from you, it, I can imagine it's very hard to not think that that's about you. Like that's, 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 you know that's coming from somewhere deep inside me and and maybe you can rationalize it and say well god gave me something special to it's like maybe he did but um and maybe you are really special like that maybe maybe you are at the right place at the right time and all those things but it's still probably best for us to think in terms of i'm like you said i'm nothing i'm just a servant and also recognize i mean in the grand scheme of things none of us are here for very long and um you know we're 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 all wait we're all waiting on the same thing we're all waiting on the resurrection we're all waiting on there's so many things that make us equal <laughs> um and holding somebody up i mean you can just imagine uh, you know as we as i read the question i was just thinking satan must love this you know that we hold people up to such a standard and then you know then he just has one person to get and then he can get to a lot of people you know yeah,
1: yeah that's a great way to put it when you build when you build your faith on a person it becomes a house of cards and yeah. and then all you're right all satan has to do is remove that card when our faith is built on jesus then we don't have to worry about that it can't it can't come crumbling down but when we build our faith around these these celebrity preachers and these these celebrity and and when i say that i mean we could think you know across Christendom, as it were, we could think across the board and, and think about some of these big quote unquote big names, but then even, even within smaller circles, even oh, within yeah. churches of Christ, there are preachers that, uh, are well known and are well liked. And, and, and as you said, that's inevitable to some degree, yeah. but I think at the same time, if we're going to really impose a kingdom ethic on ourselves, if we are in a position where there are people who want to hear from us, we we have to admonish ourselves. And that word admonish means warn. We have to warn ourselves. We have to warn ourselves of the, the danger of power, the danger of influence, the danger mm-hmm. of a- admiration. And we have to admonish a- Admiration in ourselves, and even admonish that in others. When other people start to really brag on us and build us up and make us, you know, bigger than we really are, we have to say, no, no, no. That's I. I'm not bigger than I really am. This mm. is who I am. I'm. I'm a servant, just like you. We have to, in a sense, humiliate ourselves because that's what being humble is. Humiliation. It's humility. It's putting ourselves. Not. I, I like the idea that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Yeah. But when people are thinking of you more and talking about you, especially in a positive way, we have to find ways to remind ourselves just how broken we are, just how in need of God's grace and mercy and growth we really are. And you used a a good word a minute ago. You said rationalize, that we have this tendency to rationalize our own importance and to say, well, you know, yes, I have a brand or yes, I have influence or yes, I have, you know, this platform, all of these, these, terms that we tend to talk about in today's world. I have this yeah. platform, but I will use it for good. You know, other people might use it for bad, but I don't. And we've talked about that on the podcast before about the deceitfulness of riches, but mm. but also the deceitfulness of power and influence. We have this tendency to think, well, if I had influence, I would use it for good. I would use it for Jesus. And yes, a lot of people know my name and a lot of people know my brand, but it's really because I'm, I'm pointing them to Jesus. Right. Well, All of these people that have fallen into this trap, all of these people that have had these big downfalls, I guarantee you that every single one of them would say the same thing. I have to protect my influence. I have to protect my brand. I have to protect my platform because I'm reaching all these people for Jesus. And you can imagine
0: when you know, somebody at that scale, because it happens on every scale. It happens on, you know, even if you're not a big influencer, I think this the same thing happens. But you can definitely imagine somebody who has a lot of influence, does a lot of good, helps a lot of people. How easy is it for, you know, to, again, rationalize when you do something bad? Because yes. you know, it's not like you, you know, you probably know better than anybody. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating when you see somebody fall like that. Is because you think they should know better. They they know better than anybody. But it's like, how easy would it be to just justify? It's like, well, I can't confess that. I can't let that get out. I can't, you know, I I can't, you know, let that mar my brand uh, because I'm doing all these other good things, yeah. and it's worth it, you know. And again, it's like you can just, you can hear like that's that's a that's quite the strategy from from Satan that you know the lesser of two evils is like we a lot of things that we talk about and i think terms that we use in our culture all the time you know lesser of two evils for the greater good mm-hmm. you know it's like that's i think that's maybe it's not always deceit but i think it's a, it's deceiving ourselves a lot of the time yeah absolutely and,
1: and i think that's exactly what happens even even beyond these individuals that have have done these things, even the organization that they've built. And if it's built around a celebrity, Mm. it's built around his or her um, personality, then there's this tendency to try to protect... The brand protect the the ministry protect right. the the corporation or the organization um, with the idea that we we have to protect that in order to reach people. Well, wait, there's a problem. If if what you're using to reach people is this person's personality, is who they are, then it is going to be broken from the beginning because they're a broken individual. They're, yeah. they're a flawed individual. What we If we really are a ministry, if we really are being the church, if we really are trying to reach people with the gospel, then it has to be Jesus that's the message. But I think so often with our celebrity culture, Jesus isn't the message. He's not the brand. It's this person that's the brand, and and it's their personality that's the brand. It has to be the personality of Jesus that is the quote-unquote brand. It has to be Jesus that we're promoting. And again, if we take this attitude that Paul has or the attitude that John the Baptizer had— I need to decrease and he needs to increase. That's the only way this works, but it's going to mean, it's going to mean that there are times where we say, I need to back off. Like Mm. I need to back off. I'm, this is, this is becoming too much about me and not enough about him and I need to back off, but in the world, the world doesn't do that. I mean, the world, you, you never see Amazon or Apple or any of these big corporations. Um, do anything to discourage their own branding, right. their own popularity, their own fame. They wouldn't yeah. because that's not in their self-interest. Well, that's, that's the ironic thing, the upside down thing about the kingdom of God, is that that's exactly what we ought to do. We ought to be moving down, and we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, that we have to be moving down not only to the, the role of servant, but also the status of servant. And the status of celebrity and the status of servant are mutually exclusive. We really can't hold on to both at the same time. You cannot be seeking a status of servanthood and a status of celebrityhood at the same time. You have to decide. And if you're if you're seeking to be a celebrity, now that's not to say that, that there's not going to be ministers and preachers and evangelists that are well-known because it's just gonna happen, right. but it's about what are you seeking? And when you begin to seek fame, when you begin to seek influence, when you begin to seek a platform, that's the beginning of the toxicity of of all of these things. It, it is as as you said, deceitful. So we have to we have to warn against that, and we have to admonish ourselves and discipline ourselves against that celebrity culture.
0: How do you think I've, this is something I've been thinking about lately? And uh, as we're discussing this this question, it occurs to me that probably has a lot to do with this as well. And that's idolatry. Mm. And, you know, there's so much material in the Old Testament at our disposal, talking about idolatry, the dangers of it. And and sometimes I think we, I get caught up thinking that we're removed from that, you know, we're not going to the altar and worshiping Baal or Moloch or, you know, it's like yeah, but we do a lot of the things that were associated with those rituals and with those gods, um, and we certainly worship. You know, we certainly put things not you know, not in their proper place. And I, I think, uh, as I understand idolatry, it's it's putting anything in in the place of God. It's it's you know, I, I think you used this phrase recently um, uh, about devotion, about you know, you know the. I'm 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 just gonna butcher the phrase if I try to say it, but but about, you know, you, you were talking about the the importance of having our devotion go to the right place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know I had a situation and I won't go into too many details. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before where I was in high school and a, you know, influential mentor of mine growing up um ended up, you know, there was a situation where our church got split in half. And uh, it was a big, big, you know, a big, hugely caused by the fact that he was influential. You know, he, he you know, he was able to do a lot of damage because he'd done so much good. Yeah. Um, and I remember that was, a, I think for me, that was, I, I look back more and more about how pivotal, pivotal of a moment that was for me. Because it was very hard to see somebody that I admired do that and then get caught up in the wake of it. And a lot of conversations with my parents about um how how do I how do I take the good and not the bad? Mm. You know, how do how do I how do I take the the things that I learned? Because I did learn a lot. A lot of my faith uh in the foundation of it was influenced by this this person and um and I mean I, I've probably had conversations recently, like still not like still struggling necessarily with the pain of it, but making sure that I don't misassociate a good thing that I learned in that time with the fact that it ended—you know—it it ended very painfully, um, and I think caused a lot of destruction. Um, and I, th- I think w- again to to kind of connect that to my previous thought, what I keep coming back to is, you know you can you can take the good out of almost anything if you put Jesus in first place. Mm-hmm. Because then everything after that, you can you have an understanding that, well, I'm not Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. That should set my expectations for um for how broken we are. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I think, you know, in in relation to this question I think that's that would be my encouragement to all of us is like obviously to those in influential positions, which is probably all of us, just to one yeah. degree or another. Yeah. That's right. um, the importance of, like you said, humility and and maintaining that and and um, not in a false way, not in a way that you know, like like n- not any kind of false humility. I don't think there's any need for false humility because. I don't know about you, but if I sit with myself for about five minutes, right. you know, if I just sit with my thoughts alone yeah. for five minutes, I can come up with a few things that'll make me humble, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And so there's that. But then also understanding f- being influenced by other people that if you put them too high, they're, they'll they'll only let you down, yeah. you know?
1: Well, I think in, in tying that to your, your previous comment about idolatry, my favorite yeah. definition of idolatry is Tim Keller's definition that says, idolatry is when we take a good thing and make it an ultimate mm. thing. And I really like that idea, because, and, and that's exactly what we do from from the influencer's standpoint, whether right. it's a teacher, evangelist, whatever, they are making their ministry an ultimate thing they right. are making their influence an ultimate thing but i think on the other side as as sort of followers or learners people who sit at at the feet of these teachers we can make their teaching or make their personality an ultimate thing where we almost idolize them it's funny we we even talk about sports idols we we have a tv show called american idol you know right. we put people on a pedestal and we do idolize them mm-hmm. and we make them ultimate. We make them bigger than they really are. And anytime we do that, we're putting expectations on them that will crush them. It's not healthy for them. And we will also be crushed by them. And so again, there's so much around this celebrity culture that we just have to be careful of. I want to, I want to point out a second thing that kind of goes hand in hand with this. And that's in the kingdom, we have to prioritize wisdom over talent. Wisdom over talent. We have this tendency to to really put a lot of emphasis on talent. It's funny when the Bible talks about talent, it, it's talking about a, a sum of money. It's not talking about it's not talking about what we think of as talents or skills. Right. Um, but we put a lot of emphasis on talent, on ability, uh, both on natural talent and on skills that we hone and develop. Now there's a place for that. And I think those talents are, are God given and are important, but what's more important, far more important is wisdom. Wisdom is what we really ought to be seeking in leaders. We tend to elevate people to a status of leadership simply because they're talented. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm saying this as a young preacher, but, but I've seen that in the church. I've seen uh, even myself be given leadership roles, um, be given tasks and responsibilities that required more wisdom than I had. But simply because I had a talent for public speaking or a talent for teaching, I was given responsibilities that I really didn't have the wisdom that I needed. At least I don't feel like I had the wisdom that I needed at that time. And, and, and so we have to be very careful because a lot of times these, these people that we're talking about, their, their fruit has shown that they may have been talented but they were not wise. And and so we mm-hmm. have to be discerning where we're discerning more than just, is this a talented person? Yes, they're a talented person. So what? <laughs> Are they a wise person? And specifically, do they have wisdom from above? So James chapter three, starting in verse 13. And this has a lot to do with what we're talking about. In fact, the book of James is a great book for this subject, because you had people, I think that James is writing to that wanted to be teachers. They wanted to be influencers. They wanted a position of authority. And James says, no, not very many of you should be teachers. And he says in verse 13, he says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, It's exactly what we're talking about in your hearts. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. So we have to recognize that selfish ambition is demonic. And I, we're not very willing to say that in our culture today. We tend to applaud ambition. We tend to say, yes, he's ambitious. That's a good thing. And, and, and James says, no, not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, selfish ambition and jealousy and trying to get to the top and be well-known and be um, be an influencer and, and have a name for yourself, this is unspiritual, demonic, and earthly. He says in verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That's exactly what we're talking about. Where there's jealousy and there's selfish ambition, there's going to be disorder and every vile practice. He says in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so again, we we have to learn to prioritize wisdom over talent. And that's going to mean, that's going to mean that we leave some talent on the table. That's going to mean that we yeah. don't take advantage. And so many people might say, oh, why aren't you using this person? This person's very talented. They have all of these skills and abilities. It's like, yep, but they're not wise yet. That doesn't mean they won't be wise. But we thrust people into a position that they're not ready for, that they're not wise enough to, to navigate. And we we give them a responsibility. We delegate authority and leadership to them when they're talented, but they're not wise. And again, it crushes them and it crushes us. And so we have to be very careful that we're not doing that. That's why there's so much wisdom in what, what Paul lays out to Timothy and Titus about shepherds. See, this is where, again, I mean, I'll come back to Churches of Christ— you know I, I think that sometimes we can elevate an evangelist or a preacher to an unhealthy position as well, but i I love the way that I think, again, it's reflected in scripture, the way that we have elders that are the shepherds, that are the pastors of the church, mm-hmm. where they, there's a there is a plurality of them, and they are men who have shown their wisdom through the way they've led their families. And so because of their because of their manifest wisdom, because we can see the wisdom, the fruit right. of their wisdom, then we give them these positions of leadership and authority, and we don't make this young evangelist the pastor, because he may be talented, he mm-hmm. may have skill and ability, but he has not yet proven himself to be spiritually wise. And some of that wisdom comes from training and some of that wisdom comes from time in scripture, but some of it comes with age and it comes with with um, just experience. And mm-hmm. so we, we, we're we putting these young men, and, and it's not always young men because sometimes we're talking, in fact, one of these examples is of somebody who was an older man who passed away. And then we found out his entire life, he's been living living this sort of double life. Um, but but there were, we would avoid so much of this if we look for wisdom over talent uh, and we prioritize wisdom over talent. Any thoughts on that, Travis?
0: Yeah, man, I, ju- I, I think something occurs to me. I thought when you mentioned John the Baptist, you know, I be- I need to become less. He needs to become more. Um, to To live out this idea of prioritizing wisdom over talent probably takes it's going to take i think a really radical to use a word near and dear to this podcast <laughs> uh, a really radical shift in in how we think and how we yeah. consume and how we um h- how we try to better ourselves you know cuz what we keep saying i keep thinking social media is not a great place to to exercise this you yeah. know because again there's so many things in our culture And I think probably to some extent this has always been the case, but we certainly have more options now to idolize, to prioritize something that shouldn't be in first place. Um, And I know that's that's something that's been more and more in my heart lately, this idea of being radical and being, you know, if, if you want radically different wisdom and perspective and uh, devotion to christ it probably takes radical changes to how we approach life and how we how we choose to follow him and and not you know not saying that we have to get off social media or anything but um but just the idea that looking at the culture differently and looking at ourselves differently i think that's that's going to be really hard to do if we don't um if we don't Get rid of a lot of things that um, that we're encouraged to have by culture, that we're encouraged to engage with mm. on a daily basis. When you know, like we said a couple of minutes ago, it's like if you need if you need to be humble, one of the best things to do turn off all the distractions. Mm. Because again, I think if you sit on the edge of your bed for five minutes and you you know you you think you know could I be doing something better, it'll come to you like that. Yeah. You know, but you have to get rid of the distractions. You yeah. have to take a moment. And I think that's increasingly hard because the distractions keep getting better and better, mm-hmm. more and more engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, and, you know, this has come up several times as we've discussed this idea of, of you know, leaders sort of letting us down. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that's, you know, looking for Satan's strategy, I think, is a is a good way to check our own hearts. Yeah and and check to see like is this is he getting exactly what he wants if i get spun up about this mm-hmm. and not just this maybe spun up about much of anything it's mm-hmm. like is is satan getting exactly what he wants by me you know engaging with this like it's a righteous like this is righteous indignation mm-hmm. i think i've heard you say this before you know we like that idea of righteous indignation mm-hmm. i don't know that i've ever felt it <laughs> because <laughs> What I think is righteous indignation probably isn't. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's that's coming from somebody who has absolutely been hurt by that before, by by a spiritual leader letting letting us down. But I, it occurs to me that that's you know making radical changes to the way we think is is probably the. Yeah. the path forward.
1: Yeah. And I definitely think you can, you can see wisdom on social media. I think you can sure. see wise people engage on social media, but it's not, it's not what drives, it's not what drives social media. What drives social media is how loud a person can be, how articulate a person can be, how, how, how much of righteous indignation they, they mm-hmm. can, you know, <laughs> seem to exude. Um, but, but we have to surround ourselves with wise people, surround yourself with wise teachers, surround yourself with people who bring out the fruit of the spirit in you. Don't surround yourself just with talented teachers, Mm -hmm. people that have ability. I would much rather have a wise person speaking into my life than a talented person speaking into my life. And again, to your point, we're, we're, we keep, keep, you know, bumping up the production levels because we're trying to compete with all the entertainers out there. We're trying to compete with all of the um, the talent out there in the world. When really we need to reject that paradigm. We need to reject that framework and be moving towards wisdom because that's something the world simply cannot offer the world can offer talent the world can offer skill the world can offer ability the world can offer production value but the world cannot bring us spiritual wisdom that's what the church is supposed to be bringing to the world is spiritual wisdom but instead we keep getting caught up in the talent game and it's like that's not yeah. the game we're supposed to be playing um and, and this i think hits on something you've brought up al- already is that we can be grateful. Here's my third point. We can be grateful that for the contributions that someone has made to our life, even if we find out that they're not everything they seem to be.
0: The messenger and the message not the same. Yeah. Right,
1: exactly. I, and I think that so many times we we feel like if we have to reject who they are because of the corruption that's in their life, and sometimes we do, sometimes we have to say, man, I I, I wish that person, you know, I, I, I can't have them in my life because they're toxic, um, but that doesn't mean that we have to reject everything they've we've ever gained from them. If somebody has made a positive contribution in our life, then we can be appreciative to God for that positive contribution. I think about people like Joseph's brothers who were incredibly toxic. They were everything they seemed to be, and they were practically murderers, and mm-hmm. they sold Joseph into slavery. But After everything was said and done, he was still thankful for the contribution they made to his life because it turned out for good. And so he was thankful to God for the way things turned out, even if what they did in and of itself was sinful. And I think about what Mm. Paul says in Philippians 1, and Paul's in prison. He's writing this letter to the Philippian church from prison. And he says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here in prison for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So Paul says that... I'm thankful that people are talking about Jesus, even though he he's not thankful their attitude is wrong or right. that they're doing it out of selfish ambition. He doesn't want that for them, but they are making positive contributions to what's going on. And so I think that I can be thankful for the people that have made positive contributions in my life, even if I regret who they are and the decisions that they've made. And I think sometimes we feel like it has to be one or the other, that right. if if you are a toxic person and you were living a duplicitous life and doing all of these things behind the scenes and I didn't know about it, then I have to discount everything you ever said. And that's just simply not the case. There, God has used some people to make positive contributions, even though the person themselves was very wicked. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't yeah. excuse what they've done. And it's not like, well, we're we're going to put it on all on a scale no. and if the good they've done outweighs the bad they've done. Nope, it's not that way at all. But even unbelievers, even atheists, there are some atheists that have made incredible contributions to my life. Yeah. Some, some friends of yeah. mine that have helped me rethink some things or think about things differently. Even though they're not believers, they can still make positive contributions to my life. And so I think that we can be grateful while at the same time um, reflecting on what we ought to learn about this kind of culture and and how we ought to guard against this kind of thing in the future, we can still be grateful for the impact, the positive impact people have made on our lives.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and not to be overly optimistic about that, but in, in a way, don't you almost want that? You almost want people to some extent to give a better message than than they themselves are living out. Yeah. Like you, uh, you know, I, I heard somebody say that in terms of like a parent passing on and sort of finding out mm. not in such serious ways as as the as the question brought up but that the messenger and the message weren't quite the same person. You know, you were telling me to do this and then well oh you were doing that. Yeah. And but then kind of a this person was talking about a a feeling of relief that it was like, well I'm also glad that they didn't teach me to just do what they were doing. Right, <laughs> you right. know that they so yeah. I think again not to be overly optimistic obviously you know like you said I think it's the the best way to approach it is to have that grateful grateful for the teaching grateful for the positive contributions um even if even if it's it's hurtful to think about what that person did um in other areas of their life but but I think also you know appreciating that work of the spirit that mm-hmm. You know, you read through Scripture. God, God seems to love to use bad people. Yeah. You know, and and the other thing is, if He didn't use bad people,
1: He wouldn't use anybody. You yeah. know, he, there wouldn't be any of us to That's help true. at yeah. all. Yeah. So they they meant it for evil, but God can still can still use absolutely. It for good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the, and the last one, and and I think this has to be said, and and really it may have should have been the first one, but but I think it has to be said because I think so often. We try to look for the good, and I think that there's a positive—again, we're just doing Um, that—look for the good in the person and Mm -hmm. even try to restore them. So if a person is still alive, we try to bring them to a point of repentance, and we try to show them empathy and forgiveness and grace and mercy. All of those things are good, but I think it has to be said that if someone has victimized other people, we have to show more concern and empathy for the victim— Rather than the perpetrator, Um, and and sometimes we get this backwards. Um, There are people that have raped. There are people that have sexually abused children, and and yes, I'm I I want to see them restored. I want Mm -hmm. to see them not necessarily restored to their not their position of leadership for sure, uh, if they've victimized children and those kind of things. But but for sure, I want to see them in a right relationship with God. But we have to show more concern and empathy for the victim than we do for the perpetrator. And sometimes we get this wrong. And and again, we've talked about organizations and churches that have tried to protect the reputation of their organization, and they have minimized these crimes. They've yeah. minimized the the pain and the hurt and the sin, and they have continued to victimize these victims rather than caring for them and casting out the wicked person. There's a time and a place, and all of these examples that we've given of people that have raped and have victimized and have uh, sexually molested and, and and taken advantage of these women and these children even, there is a time and a place to cast wickedness out from us. We can, Again, mm-hmm. we can still be grateful for whatever positive sure. contribution they made in our life but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't cast them out of the of the community because there comes right. a time when we have to practice church discipline and then care for those who have been harmed by sin i think about ezekiel chapter 34 and ezekiel is admonishing on behalf of god the the leaders of israel and saying this is where you failed to be shepherds and he says he's talking again about the failure of the shepherds of israel he says the weak You have not strengthened the sick. You have not healed the injured. You have not bound up the strayed. You have not brought back the lost. You have not sought and with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. We have to remember that Shepherds, those that are caring for a flock, those who are caring for God's people, they have a priority to restore people, help bring people to repentance, yes. But they also have a responsibility to care for, to protect the most vulnerable, to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. And if they don't do it, God will. And God will not treat well the shepherds, the spiritual leaders who don't do this for his people. He wants us to cast out those that are victimizing people, and he wants us to care for the victims. And sometimes we don't do this very well and we pay more attention and give more empathy and more sympathy to the perpetrator than we do to the victim and that's something that has to change and we have to admit just how destructive all of these things we've talked about today, how destructive they really are, and we have to not only admonish it and rebuke it and and even at some point cast out those that are perpetrating these things, but we also have to care for those that have been hurt. The church should be a place where we care for the brokenhearted. It, it should be a place where where those that have been taken advantage of— or molested, or or sexually abused in the workplace, or in school, or in their home, that they can come to the church and be safe. That this should be a safe place for them, a place where they're loved, where they're taken care of, where they're listened to, where they're believed. But so often, people have found it to be the opposite and that's heartbreaking that that they come to the church and are victimized and then they go to the world and they're cared for that hmm. that's so upside down and backwards the church should be a place where we care for people and a place where no one has to worry that somebody's going to be put in a position of leadership that will take advantage of them, that will hurt them, or if they are hurt, will not care for them and, and listen to them and love them. And so we, we really have to change uh, that culture. and And thankfully, in my experience, in the church, I've I found it to be healthy and good, and and uh, the Hebrew word is tov. It, it I've I found it to be good and healthy, a place of peace and protection, a place where people that are hurt are cared for, and a place where people that are hurting others are 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 cast out of the community. I found it to be that way, but unfortunately that's not always the case and there's yeah. so much that that has to be changed. And it's it's really it's really comes down to whether or not we're being the kingdom of God or whether or not we're acting like our fleshly selves. That's what it all comes down to, whether we're walking by the flesh or walking by the spirit. And this this selfish ambition, this um seeking after accolades and fame and making it about us. This is all fleshly behavior and so is sexual immorality and and taking advantage of people. Um, That's all walking by the flesh and we have to be people who walk by the spirit and who find spiritual fruit, not only in us personally, but also in us as a community. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. Special thanks to Travis Polly as well as our McDermott Road Church family for helping to make this podcast possible. And special thanks to every one of you. We hope that you enjoyed this Bible study and that you'll join us next time. We love you. God loves you. And we hope that you have a wonderful day.